Well, hello, beautiful people. It is February 27th, and I can't thank you enough for listening to this show. We got general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers, an old friend of mine, Tom Telesco, joining the show today. He tells a story that was a mind blower to me, and I owe this man a lot of thanks. Also, Nick Mangold joins us. He's a legend, obviously. Also, going to be entering the barbecue world. So let's save a couple bucks so we can make Mangold millions. And millions. Talk about the CBA. Talk about Zion. Talk about LeBron. We talk about life. And what I want to talk to you about right now is the greatest ticket buying platform on planet Earth and the moon, SeatGeek. SeatGeek scans all the other ticket buying platforms and makes sure you're getting the best value for the tickets that you buy. Yes, they do that for you. SeatGeek are your friends. SeatGeek are good people selling great tickets to elite human beings, which is what you are because you're choosing to listen to this show. Right now, use promo code PAT, get $10 off your first order. Promo code McAfee, $20 off your first order. Holy shit. We need those both to continue to go, though, because it's good for the business. So let's have a little self-awareness. If we're rich, let's use promo code PAT. Let's get $10 off. If we're not rich yet, let's use promo code McAfee, get $20 off our first order. Okay? They have tickets to everything. Comedy, concerts, sporting events, theater, you name it. If there's a ticket to it, SeatGeek has it for you, and it's at its best price. You're live, but are you living? Go live and experience something live with our friends at SeatGeek. And also, today's a good day for you to decide that the next time you have sex is going to be the best sex you've ever had. Yep, today's a good day to decide that the next time you fornicate or make love is going to be the longest, best sex you've ever had, thanks to our friends at Roman. Right now, use promo code McAfee at GetRoman.com. You get free two-day shipping. So that means today's Thursday. Get that by Saturday. It comes in a discreet package. And what I'm talking about are the Roman swipes. What you do with these Roman swipes is you put them on your kit and caboodle. Actually, just the kit. Don't worry about the caboodle. Don't worry about the undercarriage. We're talking about just the worker of the fornicating operation. You wipe it on there. You let it dry. And then you have the longest, best sex you've ever had in your life. And you don't have to worry about it transferring to your partner because it doesn't. It's small and discreet. It fits in your back pocket. It shows up at your doorstep. Nobody knows what it is. And you're going to be a hero in the bedroom thanks to our friends at Roman. Right now, GetRoman.com. Free two-day shipping whenever you use promo code McAfee. You deserve it. The human you're fornicating with deserves it. And when you wake up that next morning knowing that you put on an absolute show, you're going to be a brand new man thanks to your friends at Roman. Now, let's get to the show. Joining us now is the general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers. And this is a man I've known since I'm 21 years old. I met this guy when I was 21 on my visit to the Indianapolis Colts pre-draft. And he just told me a story off air that I don't mind, or no, you ahead. don't mind telling. No, go ahead. So you told me, uh, this is Tom Telesco, general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers. Hey, I had Thanks no idea that me. you were the reason why I came to the Colts, by the way. That is massive to me. Well, I don't know if I was the main reason, but I, but a lot of it was based on your bowl game, your, your senior year. Okay, so uh, what happened? Charlotte. So um, I go to Charlotte. It's a Meineke car, Care Bowl, maybe. Big one. So you guys are playing UNC, and uh, Hakeem Nix was the big prospect. And uh, he had a great game that day. I mean, big-time game, like eight, nine, ten catches, 200 yards. But you, in pregame warm-ups, you must have kicked for 45 minutes to an hour of kickoffs, punts, plus 50 punts, backed-up punts, regular punts field goals, PATs, the whole thing. So it was like a full workout for me to watch. I watched the whole thing. So when I came back, 
Um, I think Bill Pulling asked me about Hakeem Nix. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can play. He's good. But I said, hey, they got a kicker slash punter who does everything <laughs> that has a powerful leg. So I don't know if he can hold or not, but uh, oh. he had a big-time workout. Now, I'll find out later you could, but at that time you weren't holding, right? No, I yeah, lied so. to Bill, too. Yeah. Bill asked me. He was like, can you hold? I was like, oh, Bill held every day. <laughs> I had no idea how to do it. Vinatieri actually sent me down to a guy in North Carolina, Ken Walter, who was oh, his holder. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we had him in Carolina. Yep. Yeah, an yep. entire holding camp for like a boot camp for two days to do it. But I had no idea. It was Hey, thank you, by the way. How was the workout? It was pretty good, huh? It was a pre- hell of a workout. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. I'd say. I didn't get invited yeah. to the combine. Right? No, but we so, still drafted you, though. Yes, yep. so that was massive for me that particular day. Now, this week, the Combine, you see a lot of teams or some teams are not having their coaches come, right? There are some coaches that are staying behind. How important is the Combine week for, you know, personnel in the scouting, or is everything basically based off of film? Uh, you know, really a lot of it's off film. For the Combine, for us, I mean, the biggest thing is the, the medical part of it, which I have nothing to do with. So all the players come in, they meet with the doctors for all 32 clubs, and it's all one central location. That's the biggest part of the combine for us. Um, after that, psychological testing was very important to do. Uh, the interview process is somewhat important, but you get 15 to 20 minutes with, with each kid. That's, it's hard to figure somebody out in 15, 20 minutes. Especially I know I can't. because it's all staged, right? Yeah, it really kind of is. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then the on-field workouts, I mean, all the measurables are important to us. Uh, the position drills, some are, some aren't. But obviously those we can watch anywhere. We can watch it on tape. We don't have to be here to watch that. Everybody's assuming... Right, because Philip Rivers, hell of a career with the Chargers. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I assume it was an honor for you to work with him, oh, yeah. especially coming from the Colts where you guys had battles with him. Yes. Great quarterback. You guys mutually parted ways. Everybody on earth is assuming that you guys are going with a veteran quarterback, right? Tom Brady has been linked to the Chargers. Teddy Bridgewater has been linked to the Chargers. I assume this is all outside noise. But is there anything this week that could persuade you to be like, you know what, maybe we go with a young guy and build around him, or Tyrod Taylor is still on the roster? Has anybody talked about that? Yeah, I mean, that's you talk about veteran quarterback. We have one on our roster with Tyrod Taylor. And the reason why we signed him last year was a couple of reasons. One, we feel like he's a winning starter quarterback. And we hadn't had that in that backup role. It's hard to get quarterbacks to come to us when we have Phillip Rivers. He hadn't missed a game in years. Uh, so to have Tyrod come in, did a great job for us last year in the backup role, but we see him as starting ability. So we have him in-house. Uh, we have a young quarterback who's a developmental quarterback, Easton Stick from North, North Dakota State. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But again, He can dribble a football, by the way. He can. He's very <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, more on the developmental side, um, you know, we'll look at other options. Like, it's so early right now before free agency, before the draft. I'm not, I'm not going to eliminate anything, but I feel good with what we have in house right now. Have you had real conversations about the potential of Tom Brady playing for the Los Angeles Chargers? Those aren't conversations we would really have yet. It really isn't. I mean, I guess I wouldn't eliminate anything yet. Um, but we knew going into this, at least we have a quarterback in-house. And we'll see what else is available draft-wise or free agent-wise. Because free agency, we've, in the past, we've looked at quarterbacks, but we haven't looked at those type of quarterbacks. So we had Phillip Rivers, so it wasn't part of our process. That will change a little bit this year, see what happens. Um, our draft process pretty much stays the same. So you would not rule out a potential big-name quarterback becoming to the Los Angeles Chargers? I wouldn't eliminate any options yet. It's too early. I love what you just said there. Now, it was just announced this morning that Tom Brady's representatives will be meeting with the New England Patriots representatives here in Indianapolis. Everybody who's from Indianapolis knows how the combine works, right? Prime 47, massive place. St. Elmo's, Harry and Izzy's, a lot of conversations get done. What is the process or the rules behind pitching free agents, talking to your own free agents, and how much business really gets done here in Indianapolis? Well, as a rule state, you can talk to the agents of your own free agents here. Okay. You cannot talk to agents with prospective free agents of other teams here. You can't do that until March 18th is the day the league year starts. Two days before, there's a, a, a legal tampering window that opens. 
gotcha. that's when you can start those discussions. Here, it's supposed to be centered around your own free agents. So some of those conversations we've had with our own guys before here, we'll have some of them that are here. Um, you know, every team's got you know, 10, 15 different free agents to talk to, so those will go on here. So that's why Tom Brady's meeting with the Patriots mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. because everybody's exactly. here. It's like, okay, is there? do deals get done with your own free agents in Indianapolis? They could. They could. I mean, sometimes it's easier because you're face-to-face because every agent's here, every front office executive is here. Uh, but those deals with, our, with those guys, it could happen before the combine, after the combine. It doesn't necessarily have to be here, but sometimes face-to-face get things going a little bit quicker. What has the move like been to Los Angeles for this storied franchise, right? I mean, the San Diego Chargers, people still call it the San Diego Chargers every once in a while on television. But as the general manager, as the guy that's supposed to lead this team, the literally CEO of the team at yeah. this point, what was it like moving to Los Angeles? I assume there was some struggles, but what's it like to kind of find your footing in there? You know what? It, it, it was a challenge, but it's, it's a challenge, that exciting part of it, because you're really you're starting from scratch, uh, moving from one city to, to the other. And we knew there were a lot of things that were going to come up with the course of the move that you hadn't anticipated. Um, and I do believe even from outside the players and coaches are building, it kind of brought everybody a little bit closer together. Uh, because it, it was a tough move. It really is. You know, yeah. People move their families and their kids, and it's, it's, it's a, it was a big deal. Um, but, and then as a football team, you're really, you're, we're building from scratch. You're building, it's a new market, even though it was close to us, brand new market for us, trying to market our players, market how we play. Um, and it takes, takes time. We know that. It takes time. I think you know, I, I was here uh, 1998. was my first year here. Um, and I know in 1998, the, the Colts really hadn't established themselves here yet. You know, and they basketball, moved, they moved, racing. Yep, yep, car racing, um, Indiana Purdue basketball, Indiana Pacers. Um, but then, you know, you start winning some playoff games. You start winning consistently. You win a Super Bowl. You have Peyton Manning and Edger and James and Marvin Harrison, and you got Freeney and Mathis and, and you. Yeah, okay. okay. Now we're talking. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, that, that now you go to Colts games, it's a full Colts crowd. Uh, 1999, we played the Titans here in a playoff game, and uh, Peyton went silent count for most of the game. There were so many Titans fans here, and that's 1999. Obviously, into the 2000s, it grew, and that, you know, that will never happen here again. What did you learn under Bill Polian's leadership? I'll say this. Bosa held out, right? Melvin Gordon held out. And if you look from outside the world, you're like, oh, Tom must be hammering down on the business side of things. Now, Bill Polian, known as a shrewd businessman, but built great teams. I think you're in the process of doing the same exact thing. But what did you learn from Bill Polian? And were those situations kind of coincidence or is that kind of just a, a, a thing that popped up out of nowhere in your eyes? Well, I mean, everything I learned as far as building a culture, building a football team really came from Bill Polian and his son, Chris, those two guys. And, and you know, Bill let myself and Chris just watch so much of what he did. And I learned a lot from both of them. Um, so a lot of what I do is, is based on what I learned. And Bill is a Hall of Fame general manager. Oh, yeah. um, you know, we all have different personalities, how we go about things, but our principles are pretty much the same, how, how, we, how we do things. So, and I saw it worked. It worked with him in Buffalo, worked with him in the Carolina Panthers, worked with Indy. So, um, but yeah, I've learned. it's amazing how much I learned just from being around. I wish I would have taken more notes at the time, but it's oh. amazing how much I have remembered that things will come up to, through the course of the day and remember, you know what, this is how Chris handled that back in 2000. This is how Bill handled that and, and you know, what worked, what didn't work. Um, but the one thing Bill used to always say, you know, this is a people business. You know, I know we work in football. Football is our product, but it's a people business. And, you know, between 53 players and a practice squad and 20-plus coaches and all the support staff and trying to get everybody on the same page and build a culture and trying to give them a vision and then just let people work. And that's, that's the big thing. Okay, so um, right now, new CBA negotiations are happening. Mm-hmm. How many decisions can you actually make before knowing if it's 50%? 
what the salary cap's going to be, how many games there's going to be, is there going to be extra people? There's a lot kind of in limbo right now with, what, I think there's like uh, 64 people voting on this from one side and 31 people Mm -hmm. voting on from this side. How much is that distracting to the business process of who you're looking to sign, how much room you have in the cap and everything like that? Yeah, no, it's certainly a big part of it. I mean, as far as the percentage of revenues, that doesn't affect us so much as far as the business side of what we're doing now. But what does is there's different salary cap accounting rules that will click will kick in based on is there a CBA agreement extension or is there not. So as we've gone through this offseason, we've had to kind of have parallel plans. Yes, there's a CBA extension or no, there is not, because that will change how contracts are done this free agency. So we try to keep up to date on that. I'm not totally up to date on all the negotiations I've been more working on. If this gets done or doesn't get done, how does it affect us this year moving forward? What do you think the Los Angeles Chargers aside from filling a quarterback role, whether it's Tyrod Taylor, Tom Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, or a young guy, whoever it is, Easton Ball Dribbling Stick, whoever it is, what do you think the Los Angeles Chargers need to do to take that next step? Just two years ago, by the way, everybody and their mom thought you guys were going to go into Foxborough and beat the Patriots. That's how good the team was. And last year, you guys went on a run as well. The Chargers seem like you guys are about this close. Now you lose Phillip Rivers. What do the Chargers need to do to take that next step? Well, every year's a new year. The, the big thing is is we have an excellent head coach. And, and Anthony Lynn, um, he's a strong leader. He's great with the guys. He's tough on them, but he's fair. Um, and he put together a great coaching staff. So we have the leadership in place. We just, you gotta, we just gotta keep working at it. I gotta do my job, make sure we get some holes filled, whether there's free agency, whether there's draft, whether there's trade, um, and get back at it, you know, to kind of tune out the noise. We always talk about it, but it's, uh, this day and age is hard to do. Um, we're moving into a new stadium, which would be exciting, I think, for our players. Uh, we were in the StubHub slash Dignity Health for three years. Um, it worked for the time, but it's time to move into a real stadium. And uh, I think our guys will be excited about that. How much money do you have in salary cap? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a sliding scale. We've got, got about, <laughs> about 47, 48, you know, but the thing with the salary cap, um, you know, you might have 47, 48. You have to budget money for other things. You have to budget for like in-season moves, which is a good amount of money. You have to budget for the draft picks this year, which is like seven and a half million got a budget for RFA tender, so it starts to chew up pretty quick. So 47 sounds like a lot, and you take all the money off. It's not as much as you think. You've got three pretty big-name free agents in Melvin Gordon, Adrian Phillips, and Hunter Henry. Have you prioritized that? Have you talked to them yet? Are you trying to bring all of them back or any of them back, or what's the, what's the situation with those guys? Yeah, I don't know if we prioritize, um, but, yeah, they're three very important players, and that's what we work through right now. A lot of it is depending on where money goes, and it's like talking about sliding scale, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a hard salary cap, so – if this player gets this much, how much do we have for this player? And it's, it's more than just those three guys. I mean, those are three pretty important players, but, but there's a number of others mm-hmm. too. So those are discussions we have, and we've got to work with, you know, what's, what's the market for these players? You know, it's, it's a little bit of a game with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like we're trying to shortchange a player. That's not what it is. But for every $1 less one player gets, the other player gets that dollar. It's mm-hmm. not like I take that money and put it in my pocket. So um, it's constant work and negotiations. We'd like to keep the core of our team together. I mean, our philosophy is draft, develop, resign our own, and then fill in through free agency. Now, you can't resign every single one of your draft picks, um, but you know these guys are you know homegrown. Well, Bosa and Derwin James have been incredible draft picks. Uh, what's your process as far as the draft goes? My what's your process? involvement? Yeah, is it need uh, just, or best player? That's like always the thing. You know what? This person drafts for need. This person drafts best player. I assume there's situations where it's like, oh, this is like a win-win for both. Exactly. If, if, it, if it lines up, you have a need and it's the best player, then that's simple. 
Um, you just you, you never want to pass a really good player to take where you think is perceived. Need. Your needs may change from April to May to August. Mm. You may have a player develop you didn't expect already on the roster. Austin so, Eckler. Yeah. I mean, one example was uh, when I first arrived at the Chargers, our, I think our strongest position group at that point was receiver. Okay, so we're in the third round. Keenan Allen's sitting there. We didn't really need a receiver. I didn't know how much he'd play or even dress the first year. We took him because he was the best player there. And lo and behold, one receiver gets hurt. One doesn't perform the way that you expect. Keenan's in the lineup, and the rest is history. So it's hard to not go best player. He's unbelievable, Keenan Allen, by the way. Every time you guys get on national television, I'm like, oh, I forget how good that kid wearing a hoodie is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, he is unbelievable. If I'm a good fantasy football owner, would that make me a good general manager? I would say no, because both my sons play fantasy football. I've given them advice, and it hasn't always worked out real well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've heard about it, so I just stay away. Uh, what has it been like tra- transitioning into this general manager role? Is it Because there's only 32 jobs, so yep. you are automatically in a fishbowl, right? Everything yep. you do is spotlighted. Just like we talked about Bosa and Melvin Gordon, that, the name that was being announced alongside those was Tom Telesco. I mean, everything falls to your desk. What has it been like being a general manager in the NFL? Uh, well, number one, I was prepared the right way. I was very lucky. I mean, I worked in one organization for a long time here with the Colts. I uh, worked under Bill Pulling and Chris Pulling for 18 years. So I feel like I was prepared for the job as much as anyone could be. It doesn't mean I'm going to be great at it, but I was prepared for it going in. And uh, I don't I mean, I just love being on a team. I've been on a team every year since I'm probably eight years old. So to still be on a team, work with a bunch of guys, one common goal. Um, and I love the lead. I just, it's just fun to me. I like making decisions, whether they go right or go wrong, um, taking people input. So I, I mean, I enjoy it. I love, love trying to win. I mean, the goal here is to win a championship. What was the first decision you had to make? What was the first big decision as a general manager you had to make? Aside from like, okay, this is the house I'm buying or something like that. Like actual like football decision that you can recall. You were like, you know what? This one kept me up a little bit. I got to say the first year that we were in San Diego when I got hired, I mean, it's a blur. I mean, things were going so fast. Um, and I was just trying to keep my head above water. I mean, you come into the job in you know, mid-January and your first thing you have to do is hire a head coach. So you have to get that done and you put the coaching staff together and then you're right in the free and you're right into the draft. So it's... Second year is when things start to slow down. At least for me, it started to slow down a little bit as far as making decisions. That first year was a blur. But I know the first year, um, and actually Chris Pulling told me this. He said, no matter what you do, just make sure you get the first round draft pick right. So we did as much work as we could on that one. <laughs> you know, he's a solid player for us. Who was it? Uh, DJ Fluker. Of course. So we knew that. Still, oh, DJ Fluker. Still playing the league. Absolutely. Um, you know, didn't get a second contract with us, but... Um, you know, that, that first year, just trying to get the staff together, I mean, it's, it's a blur. I remember you texted me and asked me to go speak at your kid's school because you didn't know you were getting the Chargers general manager job, and then all of a sudden you're hired in San Diego, and you're like, hey, I was scheduled to speak at my child's yes. school tomorrow. Is there any way you can go do that? I'm like, absolutely, Tom, I, I got you. I never forget that. Yeah, it was literally. That's why I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because when I first heard, hey, Pat McAfee show, I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what? I, I, I owe him. Now, I, no, I'll never forget that because I got the job in, in San Diego. And then once you're there, I can't go back home. I'm, I'm, we're looking for a head coach. And I asked you because I knew you'd be great at it. And they still talk about it. Well, uh, I was very lucky he, to he do it. it. But by the way, I, I'm happy you came on the show because I think I owe you, by the way, <laughs> from the story that we heard earlier. Is, do you have a question? Uh, no, I mean, you, he owes you and all of us by proxy. So, yeah, so yeah. thank you very much. We're very thankful for you, man. Very, very thankful for you. No, I, I appreciate no, you. The story you just job. told me right there, I thought that was Bill that did that. To hear that that was you, my entire life is owed to Tom Telesco. Well, Bill still had to pick you. 
So I could give Bill the recommendation, but he can say, ah, I'm going with somebody else. He gave me that personality test. I took that personality test. At oh, yeah. During work. Is that the, the same uh, one you use? Yep, the same thing. Yep. What is that? Uh, it's essentially a personality test, but it kind of looks at your, uh, your work ethic, your desire, your drive, uh, intelligence. Um, I don't know how you scored on it. You scored well enough. But believe me, we're, we were tough with that test. If you didn't score well on that, we wouldn't. Bill would not have taken you. So. And whenever I flew out here for the the visit, last yes. question yep. before we go, a guy named Jamie Moore, who's a scout for the Colts. Yep. I think yep. he still, still is. There. Yep, excellent scout. Good guy. Great yep. guy. He's the one. I didn't know who the hell he was then, but he picked me up at the airport. He drove me to get my physical, which is like 45 minutes north of the airport. Yep. And then from there to the facility, that's like another 45 minutes. So I was in a car with this guy for about an hour and a half. And now that I'm looking back on it as you're coming in, he was judging me the entire time. Is no that doubt. accurate? No doubt. <laughs> like literally, he was. I think he was peppering me with questions at one point, And I was just like, oh, this guy's a cool guy. He's just an intern. He's trying to make his way through this thing. It was like, no, that guy was on a mission there. Yeah. It, and for, he's an excellent scout now, but at the time, he was probably a, I don't know if he was an intern or scouting assistant, um, but really what he was doing is just trying to verify the information we had from West Virginia. Just trying to see, you know, get, get you to talk a little bit, like a comfortable environment, um, which is the same reason why I talked to you. I, we sat down and talked for a while. Um, yeah, like I said, you were very yes sir, no sir that day with me. Hey, see that? So, yeah. <laughs> How'd that work out? Uh, Pretty good. I got drafted. <laughs> Pretty good. I got yeah, drafted. Yeah, yeah well, then uh, the mugshot yeah, yeah. happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my fault. That was 100 percent my fault. But no, it's, it's all part of the process. We do the same thing here with the guys. You know? Every single moment's being monitored, though. I it think. really is. These are these are big decisions we have to make. You only get seven picks. Um, you know, a lot of money in the line and a lot of wins on the line trying to get the right guy. Tom Brady's going to be a Charger next year. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> all right, we gotta get I haven't to- heard that too many times this week. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers, the reason why I made it in the NFL, very thankful for him. Good guy, Tom Telesco. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Tom. We're in New York for a prestigious award. Yes, very. It's being called the Heisman of Radio. Yeah. First year out the gate, get the chance to win the Tony Bruno Award. Like I said, I mean, the Heisman started at some point. The Tony Bruno Award started at some point. It's already the Heisman of Radio. Yeah, Heisman of Radio I'm winning, which, by the way, prestigious award Mm -hmm. excited to be here have to give an acceptance speech today at about one o'clock can't wait to hear what flies out of my mouth did a sit down last night with jason barrett good Mm -hmm. guy barrett sports media had a a q a for like an hour last night got to talk a little bit i haven't spoken in front of humans in a long time so getting a chance to speak in front of people is a good time i always enjoy doing that diving deep into the stories a lot of question about how we do the radio show how we prep for the radio show and i i was as honest as i could (laughs) in a room full of program directors that could potentially pick our show up on their station which is the goal of radio shows is to get picked up on other people's stations i said we have no idea what we're doing and we think that is potentially a massive weapon for this pat mcafee the most surprising thing about last night was you told them our preparation which we never thought was much they were kind of impressed with how much we prepped yeah i guess a lot of people don't do any conversation beforehand Mm -hmm. and i told them that our prep is just living right like bouncing around the city for instance Diggs and the boys were on an elevator with a guy last night as the guy gets off the elevator he says I'm an elevator worker. I've worked on all of these elevators. It's a death trap. Have a good night. Elevator door closes. It, it's it's probably the all-time worst elevator I've ever been into. The All the numbers on the elevator, on the buttons, are upside down or sideways. It inches. like You know how you, when you go up a roller coaster and you inch up? That's basically how the elevator worked where we were at. And he it was goes, like a wooden ride. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, everything you've ever seen in the movie, it's all bull. Like, there's no way to get out of this thing. It's a metal death trap. You're dead, pretty much. And then the door closes, and that guy leaves the elevator. Yeah. 
That's our prep. <laughs> that is what our prep is, sir. That moment right there of scaring us to near death uh-huh. is our prep for our show. And they're like, oh, that's very smart. I'm like, well, I don't think we're <laughs> That's why our prep is much different. But we're honored to be here. Last night, late night, got a chance to check out Zion LeBron. The Lakers played host to my team, the New Orleans Pelicans. Pat, why are the New Orleans Pelicans your team? At one point, you actually bought 5,000 tickets for the Indiana Pacers for their first playoff run and gave them away to the city of Indiana just to ensure the fact that that place was sold out. I agree. I agree. I was once a Pacers fan. That team, Paul George, Roy Hibbert, Lance Stevenson, the boys, George Hill, Frank Vogel, that team. I was friends with all of them. This new generation of Pacers, I don't know any of them. Not a single one of them. I respect Victor Oladipo. I think he's a good singer. I like the uh, white guy that they have, TJ McConnell. Mm-hmm. Well, I, like the the other, I like the other white guy. But I don't know any of them personally. The Pelicans, I feel a deep connection to because I've been watching Zion Williamson dunk on white kids for the last 25 years. I honestly feel like for the last 20, he's not even 25 years old, but I feel like for most <laughs> of my adulthood life, I've been watching Zion just dunk on people on the internet. He is the phenom in the basketball world, Zion Williamson. He is everything that everybody was saying about LeBron James coming out of high school and coming, yeah, coming into the NBA, but before the social media era. He is the modern day LeBron James. So anytime Zion and LeBron are on the same court, the world's going to stop for a little bit. Now, granted, the world that we're in right now obviously has a pandemic happening where there is a state of emergency in every single place. It's not being talked about enough, Uh not being talked about a lot. I'm trying to stay ignorant to this whole thing because I think it's a very scary sitch, but Dean Kuntz wrote a book in 1981 that I think predicted this entire thing. Word for word. But anyways, so to distract us from what's really happening, we watch these sports. That's what sports is, by the way. A distraction. That's what this show's supposed to be. A mental vacation. It's not supposed to be anything that's real deep thought, but when Zion and LeBron hop on a court together and play against each other, I am tuning in. The present greatness of basketball, the present face of basketball, the current state of basketball all runs through LeBron James. When I watched that Dwayne Wade documentary, uh, it was a 30 for 30, I think on Sunday night maybe, uh, Dwayne Wade, I don't know. Yeah. It was on the other night. And Dwayne Wade's reaction to the decision and coming to the heat and his family's reaction was like, hey, we did it. Like, hey, Okay, we're going to eat now. Like, he was friends with him. Yes. Watching the how the other players treat LeBron and respond to LeBron, and LeBron basically being, like, the leader of the entire league, not just of the Lakers, that is what Zion's going to be in, like, 10 years from now, right? So when LeBron is done, whenever it is, he's 17 years in, he's still yakking on folks. Last night, that dunk from Charlie Caruso through the legs. <laughs> that dunk, Charlie Caruso. That dunk on old buddy. Close enough. What's his name? Alex. Yeah, Mr. Caruso. Charlie Caruso, WWE, ESPN. Mr. Caruso, LA Lakers. That passed through the leg to LeBron with the yeah was nasty. In year 17, he's still going up. It is still LeBron James League. Okay? 
I, I don't want to be a person that goes on record and goes, this is Zion's league. It's going to be Zion's league, though, very soon. Zion said in the next two to three years he's going to get it, right? And I think Zion's underselling himself. I think he's already starting to get it. All the people that thought Zion was not going to be able to play in the NBA are already proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Already proven wrong. 20 straight points for nine games under the age of 20 ties Carmelo Anthony for an NBA record. Zion Williamson is becoming this player that we didn't think he would become. He's becoming this ground and pound, underneath guy that's willing to go to work in the pain if he has to. He reminds me of who's that guy from Pitt that had bad knees? Dewan the, Blair. Dewan no Blair. ACLs. No, no ACL. He reminds me of how Dewan Blair used to play back in the day. Kind of a thick body, low center of gravity, but had a good read on where the mm. ball's going. Zion's got that. He's got to step back. And whenever Zoe throws that oop, I mean, it is everybody stops what they're doing and cameras come out as if it's a Super Bowl kickoff. So when Zion and LeBron play each other, you know that LeBron knows all these things. LeBron hears all these things. Jay Williams told a story when Kobe Bryant passed away. He said that when he met Kobe, uh, or a story that he remembers about Kobe is their first time playing in L.A., they were playing the Lakers. And he said he wanted to get over to the arena at about 3 o'clock to do a shoot-around. And when he got there to do his shoot-around, he was a rookie, Kobe was on the other side. On the other side of the court. And Jay was doing his shoot around, whatever it was. And Kobe went through like the hardest workout he's ever seen a human go through. Like he was like, he was doing all these things. He would go in like a full practice all by himself, basically, while Jay Williams is standing on the other side of the court, just put up like free throws. Like this whole thing happened. So Jay asked him after the game, he said, Is that normal? Is that what you do? And Kobe said, No, I saw you over there. <laughs> he said, I want to let you know basically that this is how this goes. Like this is this is how this I saw the young guy come in and Kobe won ham. LeBron did that last night. Oh, yeah. Zion came into his house. Everybody's heard the talk about Zion being the next LeBron. Everybody has heard this conversation that Zion is potentially the pop culture icon that LeBron is, and Zion can go on to be the next LeBron and be the face of this league relatively soon because of how nice he is, how upbeat he is, how hardworking he is, how much his teammates like him, and how talented he is. And LeBron went to work. I thought there was a chance LeBron was going to score 100 points last night. Mm-hmm. He was. I like this new LeBron, by the way. New LeBron is now they have so much more length than the Pelicans, my Pelicans, and they took advantage of that. But even if you go back to the Celtics game just a couple of days ago, LeBron is backing people down. He has changed his game a bit here in year 17, becoming much more, I don't want to say unpredictable, but I think he's utilizing a lot of the bigness that he has that not a lot of other people have that a lot of people have always wondered about. LeBron can take it to the rack anytime he wants. Sometimes he decides to do a pull-up and people go after him. They're like, well, LeBron's six foot eight. He doesn't want to take it to the rack. He wants to do a pull-up. He should do that. LeBron has become one of the most well-rounded players in the NBA, hitting fadeaway threes whenever he wants, banging into paint, step backs, everything like that. And that's why LeBron's LeBron. He's getting better year after year. And watching Zion kind of develop into this super confident NBA guy who doesn't view people as like idols anymore. He just views them as peers in competition. Like, I love I love everything that happened last night. Ultimately, the Lakers get the win. Zion puts up 29. Brandon Ingram, who's only 22 years old, puts up 34. LeBron puts up 40. The Lakers get a win. Dwight Howard playing really good basketball for the Lakers, finally. Caruso's good. That young squad of the Pelicans, I mean, it was a win-win, that trade. A Zoe and Ingram. Yeah. 
from the Lakers mm-hmm. to the Pelicans. Zoe found a jumper in really was. New Orleans. They've got a young team. The Lakers are a good team. And I'm very happy with the state of the NBA, especially because I'm a Zion diehard. LeBron, we know what LeBron is, but I, I think the way that LeBron played last night said more about Zion. Because I think he knows how good Zion is and how much he already respects Zion. That he know he knew what he had to do with his game last night. Yeah. And then Zion in that Pelicans offense where they just run and run and run. And Alvin Gentry says, we can't run on some possessions. We have to run on every single possession. It's great because it spreads the floor for Zion so he can use his athleticism. And then he is getting really good at using his leverage and and putting a shoulder into someone who's taller to create space because then he has the athletic ability. And his second jump, like when he misses a shot and he knows where it's going because obviously he knows his second jump is quicker than anyone, so he could get back up. I The thing that Zion needs to prove on, I think, is, is a little bit of his handles so that he could get by guys easier and doesn't need to do everything in the paint. Um, and then he did hit one... He's only hit one three since uh, that opening night where he hit three in a row. But, I mean, that'll come. The kid, he's 19 years old. He's going to be incredible. LeBron couldn't shoot no. early either. Not, not by couldn't shoot. He's a better shooter than you or I. Correct. He just wasn't. But in NBA standards, him knocking down oh. shots, everybody's like, well, LeBron can't shoot. Kobe can shoot. That was always the big conversation. Kobe can do this. Kobe can do this. And Kobe was just a scorer through and through. Bron Bron is a facilitator, and now he's changing up his offense. I mean, he's just... Bron Bron's the guy, and I think Zion's going to be right behind him. I'm excited because the A seed right now in the West is either Memphis or New Orleans, most likely. And all respect to Jaw and that very young team that's going to be very good in the future. But I, the, what we saw last night is the first round matchup that everyone is dreaming about in the NBA. If you get Zion LeBron first round in the West, let's go. Oh. I love Zion, man. I don't know if I should or not. I didn't because I hate Duke and I also hate front runners and stuff like that. But there's no way you could hate on him right now. I've completely flipped 180. Did not understand when he chose to go to Duke, right? As a guy who was a fan of Zion on the internet, mm-hmm. I'm like, going to Duke? Like, bro, you're going to the NBA in one year. Like, go to Miami or, like, Los Angeles or, like, you know, do what the O.J. Mayo did. Well, like, you could learn from Coach K, who's— Well, that was the thought. Is he's like, got, he, he's By the a, way, got beat last night again by an inferior team. Well, he's a real team guy. Like, I think that is something that is not said enough about Zion and LeBron. Mm-hmm. Like, LeBron, I think, was the first real big noted basketball name that was 100% okay being a facilitator. Like, yeah. Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson was the, the freak who was also a facilitator, yep. not just like a a kill. Like, that is the thing that I love about LeBron, and that was the same thing that he gets bashed for. Like, oh, he's passing the ball too much. He doesn't want the ball in his hands. It's like, well, I think he views himself a little bit like a point guard. Magic Johnson, he got great passes, good vision. Zion, same exact thing. Goes to Duke, buys into their system. Mm -hmm. Just like I said about the Pelicans, the first game Zion debuted is like, hey, Gentry, I thought, should have told Zion, like, hey, you can do no wrong tonight. This team runs through you. I thought Duke should have done that. Instead, college basketball is a little bit different, but the NBA's future is in good hands, especially with, you know, me being a diehard Pelican. Exactly. Hey, that bird's going to (laughs) fly. That bird's going to soar right to the top of this damn thing. So, sorry to interrupt. I just want to let you know that right now, you're probably thinking to yourself, I'm thankful I chose to listen to the show today. And if you're thinking that, why don't you go ahead and tell your friends. And if you're thinking, man, why am I listening to this show? I shouldn't be listening to this show. Just act like you never listen to this show. Just act like it never fucking happened. 
Just don't tell anybody. But if you like this show, we need to grow this a little bit, okay? I would like to build up the community a little bit. I like for us to be a little bit stronger together. I'd like you to tweet me. I'd like you to tweet a friend. I would like you to say, hey, Pat, I like the show. I like the conversation with Telesco. I like the way the mango conversation is going. I like the way the conversation, the chatter about life is. I want you to do that. Could you do that for me? I'd be very, very grateful. I also... I would like to inform you that currently I'm reading this ad at 10.22 at night because I just got home from New York after winning a prestigious award. Shout out to the Heisman of Radio, the Tony Bruno Award. Jason Baird of Barrett Sports Media put together an entire thing, got to win an award, met Mike Francesa. Okay. It was a good day. Could I have got the coronavirus? Possibly. Flew right into New York. Shook a lot of hands, hugged some people, didn't kiss anybody, but I don't think it matters. That's not how the coronavirus works, if I'm understanding this correctly. I do have the sniffles. I'm not overheating like I'm the Iranian health minister, but, you know, there's always that option. We're in the middle of a wild time right now. There's a lot going on with this thing. State of emergency everywhere, everywhere. Mike Pence, vice president, was just put in charge of handling this. Could you think of the pressure for that guy? He was the governor in Indiana at one point, the state that I live in. Then he's vice president, just kind of cruise control or whatever. Now he's got to take care of the coronavirus. The coronavirus. Oh, it's going to be hard to sleep at night. But not for me, because I'm sleeping on a Lisa mattress. Yeah, that might have been the greatest lead into an ad read in history. Just a smooth roll from coronavirus to the greatest mattress I have ever put my ass on. And not only is it the greatest because it's the most comfortable and it's been scientifically tested to be that way for all types of sleepers. You like to sleep on your side. It has just the amount of give. If you like to sleep on your back, don't worry about it. It's firm enough to make you feel good. They tested it with everybody. But also because the way this mattress showed up in my house was just so damn convenient. Showed up in a box on my front doorstep. I unboxed it in less than three minutes, put it in my bedroom. Voila, greatest mattress I've ever had in my life. I didn't have to sleep or try or do any test runs on any dungy, nasty beds at the mattress store with the car salesman telling, you like that one? Is, 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 is that the mattress you like or you are a little firmer? Well, I think I like it without the lice, you know? Is anybody else laying this? Oh, just a minute ago? Oh, is there a little kid, you know, drooling all over this thing? Oh, maybe it's comfortable because I just want to get out of here. Maybe none of these beds are actually comfortable. And even though I tried it in, in public in front of all those humans, when I got into private, I hated it. Lisa Mattress took all the testing out for you. They made it comfortable. The bed I sleep on every single night from Lisa is the most comfortable bed I've ever been on. And I... Took that for granted until I slept on a hotel bed four different nights a week for the fall. Every single time I get home, I absolutely love it. It's because of my bed. Now, granted, my fiance is in said bed. I like being around her. Our animals are around. Chuck the corgi is actually coming around on me. He's not too bad. I don't think he's shit in the house while we're gone. That's good. But this Lisa mattress is the real deal. Right now at lisa.com forward slash McAfee, it's 10% off site wide and a free gift with the purchase of a mattress. L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash M-C-A-F-E-E. 10% off everything and a free gift with the purchase of a mattress. Your sleep will thank you. Your rest will thank you. And you're getting a gift and 10% off. Hello, Lisa.com forward slash McAfee. Let's get back to the show. 
Welcome back to the Pat McAfee Show. Could be the last one. I got sniffles there going into the last break. In the world we live in now, that could mean the end of it. So, if that's the case, our last guest is our next guest. And I would not choose any other man to do that. Not only is it one of the best beards of all time. Not only is he one of the best centers in the history of football. Legendary human being. Barbecue sauce salesman, griller, meathead, hilarious, sophisticated gentleman. You can hear him on Barstool Breakfast Fridays for Gentlemen Fridays. You can follow him at Nick Mangold. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Mangold. Oh, God, that was beautiful. I need you to follow me around. My kids would appreciate me more. I think I have the <laughs> coronavirus right now. You don't want me anywhere near you or your kids right now, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you'll be fine. It's a fake. It's a fake disease. <sighs> That's not what I've heard. And, and to be honest, I, I, the more and more I learn about it, the more and more I try to get that Men in Black thing that just eliminates my memory, so I don't learn about it. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about something other than that. Let's talk about something fun here. The NFL uh, player reps voted to pass the proposed CBA to move it to a vote amongst all the players. My question for you is this: Did you see that there was uh, a majority voted yes? Minority voted no, and then there was one vote that was abstained. One person that was a player rep decided not to vote at all. How much do you respect that? How much do you hate that? And who, in what position do you think that potentially was? Uh, I don't know who that was. I was shocked to see uh, an abstained vote. I don't understand what that accomplishes. Um, You're either for it or you're against it. Um, But, you know, the fact that it was so tightly contested, it's going to be interesting when it goes to a full membership vote. Um, you know, I think it passed what 17 to 14. Yep. Um, and you know, and then even I, I believe if I read the article correctly this morning, the executive committee actually voted it down. Um, but the team reps voted for it. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I, I just, the person in the room that chose not to vote is like, I need more time. I need more time. And like, well, we don't have time for you. They released the announcement of the vote at 1.41 a.m., Nick. Does that mean they were on a conference call yesterday from 5 p.m. all the way to 1 a.m.? Like, what does that mean in your eyes? Well, what it means is I guess the person that abstained probably fell asleep. And <laughs> Well, I didn't get to vote because uh, about seven <laughs> hours into the damn thing, I fell asleep. Did this? <laughs> I fell asleep. I woke up and they said it passed. You know. Hey, wait a minute. Well, did my vote matter? The you're an offensive lineman, and offensive lineman hand to hand combat every single day of your life, literally, and let alone the slaps to the head from defensive linemen and the physical toll it takes on that one extra game, seventeen games, has been. A topic of conversation for everybody. For the NFL side and for the media side, it's more money, it's more football, it's everything that is potentially good in the world for football fans and the owners. For the players, though, it's always been like, yo, we are crawling to the finish line with 16 games, let alone if there was to be 17. As an offensive lineman, what would a 17th game really have done, not only in the long term of your career, but in a year-to-year basis? Would that change the way you train? Would that change the way you play? Play, or is it just something you just have to hope that your body can sustain another week? I think that's the biggest thing. I think it's that you have to hope that you can just sustain for another week. You know, if you make it through 16 games in the first place, uh, you've done that by, you know, keeping taking care of your body and uh, having a little luck. So now it's the same thing. Adding one game, I don't think is going to change that uh, too much. The biggest thing I, I get a kick out of, um, which angers me to no end, 
is the fact that everything in the league has been pushed for player safety. Um, and that's their core number one, you know, hey, we're doing this for player safety in everything that goes on to, from equipment to scheduling to offseason to training camp, the whole thing. And then they add another game. <clears throat> it just doesn't make any sense. Um, and I don't, I don't understand how anyone can say, hey, this is, uh, you know, we're all for player safety, but hey, you now have to go out there and play another 60 minutes. To the NFL's credit, they haven't pitched that NFL safety or this player safety move in a couple years. Once the Will Smith CTE movie kind of died off a little bit, the conversation pivoted from that to let's put the best product we could possibly put on the field to now just more games and more games. I mean, the player safety thing, we all knew that was hypocritical as soon as it was said because you got games on Thursday, you got games on Monday, you got games on Sunday, you got games in Europe, you got games in Canada, you got games in Mexico. I mean, that was a hypocritical statement that they did PR. We, we just have to automatically assume that they no longer are pitching for that. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I, they can't. And I think the I blame, um, you know, the media and the NFL itself for being able to put that out there that they say, you know, they're all for player safety and no one questioned them. No one said, wait, if you are, then why are you doing this, this, and this? And, you know, at this point, it's now just kind of a, uh, oh, well, that that has come and gone, and there's nothing we can do about it. Nick, that's because everybody's got their hands in a cookie jar, man. It's hard to get people, if they have their hands in a cookie jar, to want to take away some of the cookie jar. It, it, it's in politics. It's in college sports. It's in the NFL. It Because the media is making money off of it as well. Like We're making money off of talking yes. about the NFL. So coming out against the NFL is a tough thing to do. It's, it's a wild time to be involved in professional sports, especially with all the money. Diggs has a question for you. Nick, we asked uh, your good buddy A.J. Hawk when we were talking about the 17-game season mm-hmm. if they would need to put a second bye week in, which Pat has always been a proponent of in this formula. He said he would not like a second bye week because he hated the bye week. So how do you feel? Do you feel that there should have been a second bye week in a 17-game season? Well, that's because A.J. is just one big meathead. That, that's what <laughs> I, I said, too, by the way. I, I think an extra bye week, uh, I, I think – if you're able to space it out, what's going to happen is even if they were to put it in, there's going to be a team that's going to get the bye week on you know week four and then get their second bye week at week six, and it's not going to make any difference. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, anybody who gets a bye in the beginning of the season uh, is cursing. You know, as soon as the schedule comes out and you see you got a week five bye, uh, you'd realize that the you know second half of your season is the majority of your season, and you're cursing all the way uh, through training camp. The it was reported today. Uh, in the media that you're speaking of, it was reported today that every human on the roster will get an extra $100,000. The bottom three quarters of NFL rosters are filled with guys that would love an extra hundred. Now, granted, the top quarter, everybody would love an extra hundred grand, but that extra hundred grand to a lot of players in the NFL is massive. They don't know how long their careers are going to be. They haven't got broken off in that contract. Do you think that was something that was added in there by the NFL to say, hey, we'll be able to get the players to vote this through if we guarantee an extra hundred grand to the bottom half of the roster who are we're going to need that to get a majority vote to get this thing passed yeah i mean it's like you know every politician is giving away something free uh to get a vote it's (laughs) it's the same thing you know if you dangle a hundred thousand dollars which is a massive amount of money uh not only for the bottom half of the rosters but for anybody i mean if i could pick up a hundred thousand right now it'd be awesome it would be Um, awesome I know. Um, (laughs) And it would be great. Like, of course, like, how do you not vote for that? Um, The tough part is, 
you know, when when you do have influxes of money, if they don't have a program in place uh, to help these guys understand it, you know, who've gone through uh, bottom of the roster and been living at league minimum, and then all of a sudden you get an extra hundred thousand, um, you'd rather put it in the bank instead of going out and getting a new car. So hopefully, uh, if it does get passed, that the guys are smart about it. Nah. I would have bought a wrestling ring as soon as I got it. <laughs> hey, speaking of an extra hundred grand, in a couple of weeks you're launching new line of barbecue sauces at seventy four barbecue dot com. Seventy spelled out, four spelled out, bbq dot com. Uh, a brand new line of barbecue sauce that Nick Mangold's putting out there. What are we getting from that? And are we making a billion dollars off of how damn good it is? Yes, uh, we are taking this straight uh, past the moon, and we are going to Mars. Um, it is going to be fantastic. Uh, it is my home recipe that I came up with, and I wanted, after football was over, and I had uh, kind of the, well, what do I do with myself now? Um, and I realized that I've never actually created anything uh, other than my children. So I said, you know, let's, what, if we, uh, what if we took the opportunity, um, took something that I'm passionate about, which is barbecue and, and sauce, um, Packaged it all together and, and, you know, sold it to get it to as many people as, as possible because I think it's the best barbecue sauce out there. Um, right now we're starting out with two flavors. There's the OG and then mm. the spicy OG. Um, and with the hope that we'll get to four flavors as our uh, mainstay because I have four children. So each one will coincide with one of my kids. Uh, so the original is my, uh, my firstborn, my son. He's the OG. Uh, my second son is the uh, firecracker, the spicy one, so he's the spicy. And then uh, I got two daughters, so we'll have a sweet uh, barbecue and a honey barbecue hopefully coming out uh, shortly if if all things go as planned. That's awesome. I can't wait to buy at least a 1,000 bottles of each and uh, give them away on this show and other social medias. Is this a passion project for you then? Because a lot of guys... Whenever they leave the game, this is a noted issue. Not only is there financial problems for a lot of guys because you're not taught what to do with money whenever you're handed six figures, seven figures worth of cash, and everything you've ever envisioned getting in your life automatically becomes available for you. I mean, that's just a whole different ball game. It's hard to mm-hmm. it's hard to save your money whenever those things are available. Even when people are telling you like you should save your money, it's like, well, that Escalade right there is also very, very <laughs> affordable. And all of a sudden, it's it's hard to do. But for you. Whenever guys leave the game, they almost feel like they lose fulfillment in life, right? They're no longer, their purpose is no longer needed. They were a warrior for so long, judged strictly off what they did on a football field, and a lot of guys have problems finding fulfillment or purpose off of that. I'm not saying that ever happened for you because you're an incredibly hilarious person, well-liked person, you do a lot of great things and all that stuff, but at any point in your life, you're like, you know what, I have to put my focus into something because I'm feeling as if my worth was judged strictly off a football for a long time i want to be judged off something else and is that what this barbecue sauce has become uh no my kids put me in my place very quickly um <laughs> that i have no worth whatsoever um, <laughs> even when I was playing. um so this is more for me this is a passion project of this is something i enjoy this is something uh that i'm passionate about i i, I really love barbecue I, i've fallen in love with it over the past i'd say eight years now um, and it, to give an opportunity to have something to to be able to share it with other people, like I, I always love, you know, doing uh, uh, pulled pork and sending it to somebody's house with a side of the sauce. And hey, you know, let me know what you think. Um, and the other side of it too is the charity component. So we're uh, we're teaming up with Answer the Call, um, and we'll hopefully be able to donate some of the proceeds uh, to help out the um, New York City families that have uh, lost someone in the line of duty. So um, awesome. it, it's a 
it's a great cause. Uh, it's something I'm passionate about. Um, and so it, it all kind of works together. Speaking of passion products, did you know that when he was on the show, when you were on vacation, that we broke news? No, what was it? That if Rex Ryan asked Nick to be his offensive line coach, he would drop everything immediately and become an offensive line coach. I've asked Rex Ryan to get back into coaching bad. Like I'm like, yo, Rex, I love you on television, but the NFL needs you back in there. And his answer is always like, well, they're not going to pay me enough, or uh, (laughs) they're going to make me a defensive coordinator. I want to be a head coach. I think he's a guy who has been kind of slighted in the judgment with the amount of success that he had as a head coach and really never getting another opportunity at this thing. Yeah, and uh, that was breaking news. Um, so that's two breaking news things that we have on the show, the barbecue sauce and uh, me coaching for Hey, Ryan. good for um, us. And we're winning awards, too. <laughs> winning awards, award-winning shows. Um, <laughs> and, no, I, I think I think he would be great if he got another opportunity. Um, but at the same time, and having not talked to him about it uh, directly recently, I think he's having too much fun doing TV. I think so, too. Um, and I think that's where he's enjoying. He's getting paid money to be, uh, you know, the jokester, and he doesn't have to wake up at you know 5 a.m. every morning and go deal with 53 knuckleheads at a team meeting. Well, plus four more on the roster now because you know the new CBA and an extra right. week and a shortened off season. I mean, hey, less practices. It's I think about like 12 less practices. Yeah, but it's going to become tough to coach. I, I think it's going to become tough to coach in NFL and manage, especially with less practicing. Because especially in the offensive line position, there's not a lot of great college offensive linemen with the way football is going. I think that could be a big problem in the NFL, especially with less practice and everything. I think it's a big problem already. I think you're seeing uh, what's going on um, with NFL offenses, the way that uh, you know it takes a while to get going uh, at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, the college programs are churning out guys that aren't ready, and the NFL programs don't have time to get guys ready. So it's, it's creating a, uh, a, a softened um, offensive line um, where you just don't have time to get the practice in that it requires. I mean, you can't just say, hey, go run fast and catch ball. you got to be able to <laughs> you go through the techniques and, and really dive down deep. And without time, without practice, that just doesn't happen. Moving humans takes a lot of work. Yeah, I mean that, is, and you're protecting a couple hundred million dollar asset right behind you. I mean that that is a real that is a real thing that is going to be talked about in the NFL over the next couple of years. Already been talked about. Last thing before we let you go, and we're so thankful you joined, Nick. I love talking to you, man. Your brain is such a good one. I'm happy CTE hasn't just completely ruined you. <laughs> um, Not yet. I, my wife hates when I joke. Uh, you know, I'll remember something from. 10 years ago, and I was, well, not today, CTE, not today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got like a minute and a half left. Did you watch that Deontay Wilder fight against Tyson Fury? Two things. Did you hear Deontay Wilder said it was because his 45-pound costume is why he lost? And are you mad, just like me, that you didn't know enough about Tyson Fury before this fight? Um, I will agree with you on the second point. I wish I knew more about Tyson Fury beforehand because he seems hilarious. And Electric. Catching some of the interviews before the fight. Um, made me a big fan of his, just the way that he talks. Yeah. Uh, I did not watch the fight as uh, I was fast asleep at that point. Uh, but getting caught up on it, and uh, anyone who said that that 45-pound costume was a good idea, not for the legs or for anything else other than just looking ridiculous, uh, should be fired. <laughs> All right, Nick, we appreciate you. I carry an extra 45 pounds around every single day, and my legs are doing just fine. I've been carrying an extra 35 for the last, what, three weeks after this whole thing, but I guess we're not boxers. We're not in the cardio yeah, yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, 74BBQ.com in a couple weeks, the OG and the spicy OG will debut and change taste buds for the rest of time. Ladies and gentlemen, all pro 
legend, Nick Mangle. Thank you, Nick. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys. Hey, cheers, man. Stay away from the coronavirus. We got a new sponsor. Hey, hey. We got a new sponsor. I'm sorry for interrupting, obviously, but we got a new sponsor. Boost Mobile gives you everything you could want in a wireless carrier so you know exactly what you're getting and exactly what you're paying for. With no annual service contract, Boost Mobile offers a range of unlimited data plans and the latest phones from top brands at affordable prices. Service plans already include taxes and fees, plus mobile hotspot, unlimited music streaming, and more. Step up with Boost Mobile. Step up with Boost Mobile's super reliable, super fast network so you can post up and watch the games almost anywhere. Boost Mobile's super reliable, super fast network is a slam dunk. Step up with Boost Mobile. Switch to Boost Mobile today and get four lines for just $25 per line per month with unlimited data. Holy shit. If you switch to Boost Mobile today, you get four free Samsung Galaxy A20 phones. Perfect for the whole family. A super reliable, super fast nationwide network to keep you connected. Switch to Boost Mobile. Switch now. Step up with Boost Mobile and switch today and get four lines for just $25 per line per month with unlimited data. Four free Samsung Galaxy A20 phones. Perfect for the whole family. It's a super reliable, super fast nationwide network to keep you connected. Offers and coverage not available everywhere. Visit BoostMobile.com or retailer for full details. Includes mobile optimized streaming. Users using more than 35 gigs of data during billing cycle may be deprioritized during times of network congestion. Offers and coverage not available everywhere. See BoostMobile.com or retailer for full details. The four four lines for $25 per line per month with unlimited data and the four free Samsung Galaxy A20 phones are a limited time offer while supplies last. New customers only requires port and activation from eligible carrier. One free device per line. Users using more than 35 gigs of data during a billing cycle may be deprioritized during times of network congestion. Offers and coverage not available everywhere. See BoostMobile.com or retailer for full details. Boost Mobile. Okay, I like what you guys are pitching. Go to BoostMobile.com or a retailer, and let's take advantage of what they got going on. Back to the show. Now, what we do know about the new CBA proposal, the way the NFL is spinning this, at least in their PR campaign, is it's a 17-game regular season. Capped at that for the next 10 years. There are more roster spots for them, to be exact. There's a shortened preseason, I think only to two games, maybe to three games, which is good. There is a higher percentage of revenue for the players. It'll go from 47% to 48%. When it goes to a 17-game season, it'll go to 48.5%. That 1.5% jump is a $5 billion revenue jump Mm -hmm. in the next 10 years, which is a massive amount of money. And there's upgraded pension for former players, which, hey, I've heard not only upgraded pension, but also free health care for me. I get a chance to go to hospitals and get checkups and physicals for free and everything like that. All those things sound... Also the $100,000. $100,000 to every player on the roster, which is massive for the bottom half of the roster, bottom three quarters of the roster. I mean, these are all things that are, are 
awesome in the new CBA. We have not read the entire CBA. We have no idea what else is being said in there, but there's a lot of players saying absolutely not. The $250,000 cap on the 17th game salary has been ruled out. I think that was the reason why some of the big-name players were like, I'm not doing that. We're already taking pay cuts in the playoffs. We're not going to do it for another regular season game. So I think they're just going to match people's salary for that 17th game, by the way, which is smart. That's a good move. That's the right move business-wise. It's the right move morally. Now, what we don't know is why the players are so against everything. Mm-hmm. The reason why it could be the 17th game is going to be very hard. I mean, the body is already taking off a toll. Player safety is already something that's a hypocritical statement by the NFL whenever you're playing on Thursday, playing on Sunday, playing on Monday, playing on Saturday in the playoffs, playing in Europe, Canada, Mexico with short weeks. I mean, player safety was something that came out during the CTE PR scandal, and then it's kind of faded away, but it's still something the NFL has to think about. So the 17th game is obviously something they want to talk about. Then the percentage split. Everybody says it should be 50-50. Players do a lot of the work. The owners are obviously the business people behind this. It should be a 50-50 split. That's never going to happen. Ever going to happen with the NFL owners because they have to have a little bit of the power. Anytime you negotiate with somebody and you give up more, you give up half the thing, then you're like you're you're admitting that they are yep. half the importance. The NFL is not going to do that because the NFL thinks the shield and the league are the most important part of the NFL having success, right? They believe that. That's how it is. Might be ignorant, but they live in their own bubble. They think nothing else exists other than the NFL. So 48 to 48.5%. Adam Schefter tweeted out this morning that that would be the highest percentage of all the four major sports or something along those lines. He was tweeting out very positive things from all this, from the NFL side, because I think he was getting all the positive information from the NFL. NFL PA has been very tight-lipped on what they don't like about it, other than saying, well, the 17-game season is going to be tough. Other than saying we're voting hard, no. We haven't heard a lot of explanation from the NFL PA side on why they hate the deal so much. All we hear are from the people who get incredible information, very hard to get information. Getting this information saying, okay, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. And in the PR war, the NFL players have already lost it. But it seems like in that player rep room, Right, the the people that aren't J.J. Watt, the people that aren't Russell Wilson, the people that aren't Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman, great businessman, bet on himself, made a lot of money. Russell Wilson, great businessman, bet on himself, made a lot of money. J.J. Watt, bet on himself, made a lot of money. These guys who are at the bottom half of the roster that sometimes player reps are kickers, punters, things along these lines, special teamers, guys that have good business minds, those are the player reps. Sometimes teams don't want to beat Sometimes the smartest people don't want to be player reps because a lot of that deals with a lot of BS. So you got a 17 player rep saying yes, 14 saying no, one abstaining. That passes to the players' vote now. And with the hundred thousand dollars to every single position on the roster, you got a lot of guys going like, "I get an extra hundred grand for this a year." Yes, 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 yes. I think this is going to pass. I honestly think it's going to pass once it gets to the players, strictly because of that. And Russell Wilson and J.J. Watt can continue to uh, almost like campaign against it, which is what they're doing. That's why they're publicly stating this. But I think this is going to be something that's going to get people to pass. And we don't know why it isn't a great deal. We don't know why it isn't a great deal. Right? $100 million for every single team. You start doing the math, it's only like $70,000 per player. So the big number can kind of be alarming. It's like whenever agents work players' contracts. 
This guy just signed for $100 million. It's like, well, $65 million of it is in incentives that he's never going to get. It's actually a $35 million deal. But the $100 million is like, oh, my God, that's an alarming number. The $5 billion number for the 1.5% from 47 to 48.5 is an alarming number. It was like, oh, damn, they got to do this. But then once you start breaking it down, it's like, well, it's only like $70,000 per player. I think blah, 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 blah. You move forward. And that's probably what the players are mad about. But every time they tweet that this is a hard no and it's a no, I think you keep turning the PR against you. And that's not something that's smart for the NFL PR. Maybe a dumb question. Yeah, buddy. Um, so when players like Russell Wilson and J.J. Watt tweet out that they do not like this CBA, do you think the bottom half of the roster's guy guys, like those tweets carry weight for them? Or they look at it and like, hey, these guys have already made their money. They can afford if we get locked out to live. So uh, – does it go, hey, we respect what they're saying, or hey, these guys have already made their money and they don't care about I'm sure not saying they don't care about the bottom half of the roster, but No, I think it's, it's not- situational. I think everything's situational. I think there's some players that'll be like exactly what you said, like, oh, those rich guys are telling us what not to do. I'm just trying to survive. I got three kids. Mm-hmm. Right. There's some people that are like that. And then just like LeBron James is in the NBA, how he's a guy who when he speaks, people listen. J.J. Watt is probably a guy in the NFL that when he speaks, people are like listening, kind of peek your head like, oh, why is he not like it? I'm not sure about Russell Wilson outside of the Seattle Seahawks locker room. I'm not sure if the rest of the NFL listens to Russell Wilson speaking and goes like, oh, we should listen to that. You know what I mean? Richard Sherman, definitely a guy whenever he speaks, people go, oh, we should listen about that. It depends on where you're at credibility-wise amongst other locker rooms, but I'm not I'm not 100% sure you can paint a broad brush and be like, oh, everybody's saying, yeah, like, yeah. okay, that matters, and everybody's like, oh, those are just rich guys. And that's why I think... The NFL knows that if it gets to a full player vote, they know that that 50th guy on the roster who's maybe only playing three games a year, who's making, I don't know, 100 grand a year, 150 grand a year, that money is supposed to last him for the next 40, 50 years of his life. They know that that extra 100 grand is going to be an incentive for them to vote yes, even if all the other stuff that is like eye opening is a no. That's why this is a great business move by the NFL to add that. Also, I believe I saw in there when I when I've been reading about this that the practice squad guys' salary is also going up. Like the the weekly salary that if you get your when you're on the practice squad, that is also going up. Are those guys That's such a small number are, are they in the NFL PA though if they sign like if you're on the practice squad, are you part of the players that vote? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Unless you were a player and yeah. came back down. I don't know. I, that's a great question. That's only like 10 guys, though, per team. 32 teams, 320 people. 320 votes. That's 320 votes. Extra 100 grand? <laughs> I will take that. I'm not 100% sure if they all get votes, though. Yeah. I don't think they do. Because I don't, if I look, remember the last two years of my career, I did not I sign up for the NFLPA. I, I did not sign in. I might not even get, I, because I didn't, I might not even be, I might not even get access to these things that people. You're going to be all right. Yeah, I'll be okay. But the, um, the, if I remember back, the practice squad members were not in those meetings, if I do recall. It's like, yeah, you got to make the roster yeah, yeah. to do it. Which, by the way, the NFL is saying, oh, we'll give the practice squad people more money. If you're already on a team, then you're back on a practice squad. Bang, that's a vote, yes. They're doing things in this CBA to ensure the fact that they get people right. to vote yes. They're like, all right, we'll drop this in there, we'll drop this in there, we'll drop this in there. That's just good business. That's Bernie Sanders saying on day one of being president, I'm going to legalize marijuana for all 50 states. That's everybody saying, oh, we're going to give free this, free this, free this. It's just getting votes, trying to win over votes. The NFL is doing that as well. They know this is the same world. I think it's going to pass. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. 
The $100,000 for every player is going to pass. That's why I think it took the NFLPA in the reps a long time. That ba- this thing didn't pass at 1.41 a.m. That was when the yeah. tweet was announced that it was past 17.14. I think there was a lot of conversation between the people that were knowing, be- or saying no, because they knew if it got to the entire players, this was going to pass. And they're like, well, we gave it our best fight. Yeah, so what happened was that the meeting started at 5 o'clock yesterday, and there was four hours of meetings between the players' reps and the members of the NFL's negotiating committee. And then the 32-team reps spent several more hours discussing the deal then they gave the nod to for the vote so that's the, why it was all night long the 14 no's were fighting very hard last night for more people to join their side because they know that if this gets to a league-wide vote this is going to go through mm-hmm. this is going to go through hundred thousand dollars for you you got guys like for instance me after my rookie year i was told save your money this money isn't going to last that long I was told, don't buy a house. I was told, do all these things. But I was staring at a bank account that was larger than I could have ever fathomed. There's a lot of places I wanted to go to, and I spent it, and I lived it. And by the time I got back from my second year, training camp, if we didn't have a game coming up, I would have been in a bad spot. I would have been in a bad spot. But all my friends were in debt. All my friends had student loan yeah. debt. All my friends were like, yeah, we're behind eight ball. Anyway, I'm like, well, if this all comes crashing down, I'm alongside my boys here at least. <laughs> but that is a real thing. You got a lot of young players that are like itching, inching, and crawling towards every single payment. They're living paycheck to paycheck because they're not the high-end guy that you hear about. And an extra hundred grand is massive in their pocket, and the NFL knew that, and the no's that voted no in the NFLPA knew that. That's why whenever they got it passed, they're like, yeah, oh, this is going to pass for sure. Well, that's it. I hope you learned something today. It's not often you get to talk to a general manager, especially during the combine, especially one that is potentially in the market for Tom Brady. He was already fed up with the question. He hasn't even hit the period of when he would be allowed to talk to Tom Brady. I tried, though. You can't say I didn't try to put the pressure on the guy. Nick Mangold, obviously a legend. Obviously a legend. The Heisman of Radio. The Tony Bruno Award. Very thankful for that. And I'm very, 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 very thankful for all of you. You're the absolute greatest. I can't thank you enough. Take a picture of where you're listening to the show at. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Listen in your car, take a photo, you know, the radio playing it on the Bluetooth. If it's on your phone, go ahead and screenshot or write something in. I need to know where people are, are listening to the show at so I can cater to you guys a little bit better. Because I have no idea, to be honest with you. I know people listen. I'm thankful for you guys. Not every show is great. I think we get a couple good ones. Today, I think was a good one. But I just would like to know a little bit more about you guys. And if I like what you're doing... Zito will give away some free merch today. Use the hashtag, this is where I'm at, Pat. Hashtag, this is where I'm at, Pat. Don't use the apostrophe in I'm, though, because that'll stop the hashtag. So it's just, this is where, grammatically incorrect, I'm at, Pat. This is where I'm at, Pat. Zito will be giving out free merch all day if you post a picture there. And I'm very, very thankful for you. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music.